Well, hello, I'm John Rosebank. And I'm Penelope Middlebow, and it's great to see you at the History Cafe. Just first of all, we want to say thank you for your support. Yeah. We began making History Cafe uh, about a year ago now. We set ourselves what seemed like the impossible task of broadcasting a new episode of properly researched history stories every week. And, well, somehow we've got there. I don't know how. (laughs) In fact, we just put out our 60th episode. Well, actually, we had done a lot of research before we began. Three years, I hate to say. And while we've been broadcasting even over the last year, we've researched and recorded whole new series on the suffragettes and on the end of British enslavement. Also on the Wild West and several other things too. The final part of the secret history of the suffragettes. If you haven't heard it, well, it's quite, it's very surprising. In fact, it's shocking. It's also, it's also, it's also really funny. And it's been good. It's been a great way to spend lockdown. A massive challenge and we're just exhausted. So the fact is we're going to take a bit of a holiday and then we're going to get down to some more research. We've already got some ideas lined up, starting with how the British very nearly won the Battle of the Somme in 1916. In fact, the British could have won the battle. And perhaps even won the whole war in 1916 if only the British Army generals had had an ounce of intelligence and used the resources they had available. And we've also got a hunch that the Wars of the Roses were largely invented, in fact, by Henry VII in the 1490s. Love all that late medieval history. It's all a foreign world to me, really. Castles. You love castles. <laughs> castles. It's a bit late for castles, but yeah. And then we had an idea for a series on what is history. You know, you try to talk to your friends about history and you get that blank look. Uh, isn't history just, well, I don't know, memorising a lot of facts about what happened? You can't change the past, so there's nothing to discuss. You know the thing. Just like science, I suppose, is memorising facts about how things work. There's... Nothing new to discover, no point in doing any experiments, nothing could get wrong. In fact, I go so far as to argue that we actually know nothing about what happened in the past. And therefore, the point about doing history is, well, listen in and see where we go from there. But do let us know what you think, because we've really enjoyed hearing from you about what you've liked the most and how we've got a lot of you rethinking some of our best-known moments in history that have just got stuck in our collective memory and don't look quite right to us. And also hearing from teachers saying they're rethinking how to teach some of their stuff, even asking us for teaching materials. Well, we're having a think about that, so any suggestions would be really welcome. And what we'd really love you to do for us is to introduce History Cafe to your friends, because there are now 60 episodes and they're not going to go out of date at any time soon. We've also made sure that they're all standalone. As you know, we make it easy to catch up on what's going on at the beginning of each one. So if you haven't dipped into all of our series, check out our website, historycafe.org, or look on SoundCloud or Spotify, where we have playlists for each series. You remember who really won the Battle of Britain? And then Henry VIII, the king, his wife, his lover, the French? And the Pope. Or blowing up the gunpowder plot? Or World War I, how much was it Britain's fault? Or how Kennedy loses the Cuba Missile Crisis? And that one about the lobster. Yeah, the abdicated King Edward VIII, Wallace Simpson and Herr Hitler. The truth is that when we set out to research any of these series, like the one on why the British ended enslavement in 1834... At least ended in the Caribbean, if not elsewhere. Yeah, not everywhere else. We had no idea what we were going to find. No, genuinely, we really didn't. Ending enslavement turns out to have had very little to do with William Wilberforce and the campaign for the abolition of slavery, which is the only thing I knew about. Turns out, in fact, that by 1832, anyway, it was clear to pretty much everyone that the British slave owners in the Caribbean were dragging the British economy into a credit crash. 
looks to us very much like the banking crash of 2008. Another discovery we came across was that Emmeline Pankhurst did not deliver British women the votes in 1918 or in 1928. The reality was that she delayed the first and opposed the second. Now, many academics and schoolteachers have at least known some of that for a long time, but what none of us realised was the scale of the scandal behind the suffragette claims. Not only was there a campaign of disinformation that covered up some of the serious violence against people and then tried to take credit for other women's achievements, there was also a hornet's nest of, well, corruption, outright racism. So instead, we shift the historical focus to the many women and a few men who really did achieve the vote. And we went out of our way to use almost only women historians. We don't want anyone to imagine that this is some kind of anti-feminist vendetta. During the last American presidential election, we took a look at whether the Wild West, the American Wild West, was ever, well, really wild. And we discovered that historians agree that it's, well, it's a myth, one that badly needs calling out. Actually, we had to sort out a lot of confusion among historians about how violent it was and where and why. And we found that too many presidents have fetishised violence, not just Trump, wrongly believing that America was founded on the backs of those lone cowboys riding into town to sort things out. What one past president of the National Rifle Association called an atavistic relation between a man and his gun. Atavistic relation, you've got to laugh. Well, it all turns out to be unhistorical nonsense. In real life, most of the men and women who opened up the American West in the 19th century were peaceful homesteaders. There was some violence, but you found it specifically in a few ranching and mining outposts. And what you discover is that it actually was no worse than many of the towns in the old eastern seaboard. Turns out there really is a simple explanation. Nothing to do with the American character or manifest destiny. Just too many young men in one place. Like a British football stadium. And then, of course, there's the whole story of violence against American indigenous peoples. And that's another whole hornet's nest. Then for something completely different, we looked at a fascinating debate of the English scientist Isaac Newton. Well, the debate is... Was he in fact a scientist at all? Or was he, as many have argued, an alchemist? He's been called... By economist John Maynard Keynes, no less. The last of the magicians. So we asked, was Isaac Newton the first of the scientists or the last of the magicians? We discovered modern scientists who've recreated Newton's alchemical experiments and who reckon they have a completely scientific explanation. And we also came across a young postdoc student who's shown, by contrast, that Newton's way of thinking was, well, shall we say, much closer to magic than to science. It's a fascinating story with secret experiments after Newton's death. In a carefully guarded laboratory on the banks of the Seine in Paris. <laughs> Which actually led directly from alchemy to what we now know as chemistry. And also the French government imprisoning alchemists in the Bastille and trying to get them to make gold to pay off the government's debts. At the same time, denying that such a thing as alchemy existed. And maybe the Bank of England was doing it too. Well, we don't know. There's no evidence. But Newton mysteriously became governor of the Bank of England. How curious is that? And had a laboratory there. And had a laboratory there. It's like Harry Potter. We also bring you the curious case of inventing Scottishness. We look behind all the fake romance that you get on a shortbread tin, you know, Scottish stag hunting and tartans, which has been much better named as Balmoralisation after the Royal Palace Balmoral. 
Well, this story turns out to be a deep, dark one of how people were thrown off their land to make leisure pleasure parks for the wealthy. Oh, and it's also a story about how the Regis Professor of History when I was at college was completely wrong. So very satisfying. And we looked at why fashion across the Western world in the 1930s suddenly went all coy. It turns out it had everything to do with the Hayes Motion Picture Code. Which was the Hollywood code that said that actors could only be filmed in bed together if one of them had a foot on the floor. And, and many a, other things. And a lot of other things like that too. <laughs> yes. Actually, banned racism. Oh, in many ways, it was very good. Anyway, it's a story about the invention of the close-up and a dress designer called Adrian. Well, there's plenty more for you to check out. But as Penelope said, we're running out of breath. So we're going to take a bit of a holiday, but tell your friends and invite them along to the History Cafe. Let's keep it buzzing for when we get back with a whole new bunch of stories. And you know we don't charge for our podcast, so for now, you get the best scholarship turned into accessible and enjoyable discussions all for free. So keep in touch. Tell us your thoughts and any stories you reckon need a rethink. You can fill in the contact form on our website, historycafe.org. I'm still going to do the newsletters. Excellent. Or you can find us on social media at History Cafe Pod. And stay safe. We'll see you very soon. Bye.